0: Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Tuesday, October the 2nd, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of Happy for the Day, and uh, I'm happy to report that uh, while we don't have a complete solution yet on making the broadcast uh, capability available for live broadcasts so people can listen to the bri- live broadcast, we're very close to having an interim solution while they work on fixing their software so that uh, it will work permanently. And I'm hoping by tomorrow morning, so to have that going so that people can be listening to the live broadcast again. Because, you know, we okay. want to encourage that, you know, and we want people to be able to call in and so forth. And kind of hard to call in when you can't hear the podcast. You know?
1: Right? Right. <laughs>
0: it's like, is it going? Does this, is this thing on? You know?
2: <laughs> right. No, so that's great that it's. Uh, we're making some progress. Then. Yeah,
0: we're making progress. I made a little progress with yeah. it this morning, actually. So, yeah, that's a good thing. But uh, okay. we're back front. Louise and I are back from our trip to North Carolina. Our niece is now a married lady, and there was a lot of celebrating regarding that. And I got to see family that I haven't seen in almost five years. Louise and I moved from Virginia to Connecticut in January of 2014. And oh, wow. so that's almost five years ago. And I haven't seen my mom, my sister, my brother, my sister-in-law, my niece. I haven't seen any of my family in all that time. We've talked, you know, on the phone and via Skype and video and all that kind of stuff, but it's not the same thing as being in the room, you know, so got a chance to reconnect with my family again, which was a good thing.
2: That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How are you doing? Yeah. How, how's your week been?
2: The week's been great. I'm, I've been really busy working on a new project that I'm hopefully gonna tell you more about tomorrow because I'm oh. going to be uh launching it hopefully this week. Wow. So that's been that's been good. It's been good to be uh to be busy. Like that. A good kind of busy. You yeah, know?
0: yeah, right. Uh,
2: <laughs> and it's October already. I know.
0: You Can you believe that? I mean, what happened to June, right?
2: right? <laughs> where where I know. did April go? I know. When you said October 2nd, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, of course I knew it was October yesterday, but it just keeps hitting me that we're so far just blowing through this year. It feels like, which is actually kind of a good thing because I think the year before seemed like it would never end. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, it's all good. It's all good. (laughs) But I'm enjoying the cooler weather and we did get, we, we still are getting rain, a lot of rain, um, Mm. Just to have the temperatures down from the high nineties to the low eighties is a big difference. So yeah, I'm enjoying you, that part. When
0: you live in the south, that's a big deal. Up up north here, we're we're currently in right now the, the temps are in the sixties. And this oh, is a wow. this is a relatively warm day.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. Well that's so nice. <laughs> Everybody here, you know, it's the way the, the marketing goes with everything, and so it's like yeah, you know, October arrives and all the coffee places have this like pumpkin spice and it's like, you know, it's 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah, and it's right. like, everybody's longing to put on a, a hat and a pair of boots, but it's just not happening yet. Not quite, but it'll get there.
0: <laughs> it'll get there. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's really good. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it's amazing how fast it's moved. In fact, Patty and I, Patty Framo and I were talking about it during yesterday afternoon's podcast. And uh, we we were noting that in our pain, and I suspect this is probably true for you too. A lot of this perception about how quickly the time goes by really, I think, is an indicator of how well or not so well we're actually living in the now. Because when you're living in the now, the time time is timeless and doesn't seem like it's moving quickly or slowly. It's just kind of there, but when we're kind of stepping out of the now like we sometimes do, you know, thinking about the past, the future, worrying about this, that or the other thing. I think that's when the time seems to speed up. Because it's like, oh my God, I, I can't keep up with everything. It's just flying so fast.
2: That's an interesting concept. I mean we, we do know that time is just a construct. So that's right, yeah. it's really interesting about what's going on in our life that causes us to perceive it in a certain way.
0: So it makes me I think mean, I, we just, we just need to keep working more and more on what it is we know we have to keep working on. Cause the better we get at that, the less we'll have that kind of perception. I think.
2: Well, it's, it always makes me laugh to think about, you know, the difference between the way you perceive time as a kid and the way you perceive time yes, as an adult. Exactly. You know, yes. As a kid, if it's like, <laughs> if it's a Monday and something that you're looking forward to is happening on the weekend, it just seems like it's never going to get there. And as an adult, I feel like the weekends are never that far away. It's just, Flies by. So (laughs) maybe it's busyness. I
1: don't
0: know. Well yeah, well yeah, sure, that's part of it. Because when you're really, really busy and if it's not all joyful busy, it's going to have that tinge to it. I think that's where it's gonna come from. I mean, mean, there's the
2: idea that time flies when you're having fun too, so
0: it well yes it does, interestingly (laughs) enough. But because it's also a perceptive thing, uh, the time flies within the now. But when you step away from it for a second mm. and look what's going on, it's like, well, gee, nothing passed by. So once right. again, it's all the perception, you know?
2: And it's all perception. We talk about this a lot, but it's because it's true. It's all in our head.
0: It's annoying, but it's all in our head.
2: <laughs> we're going we're to talk about that today as well. Oh,
0: we are? Okay. Yeah, because we're we talking about uh, Neville Goddard's book, Awakened Imagination and the Search. We're up to Chapter 4, aren't we? And, we are. Yeah. Pr- the Pruning Shears of Revision. I saw that subtitle and I said... What the heck does that mean? <laughs> I have well, no know, idea.
1: <laughs>
2: now I'm going to say something now because this is what came to mind when I when when I went to look where we were at, and I reminded myself of that title, "The Pruning Shears of Revision." It's really interesting because I, although Neville means something a little different, and we, of course we will get into that, sure. there there is a something called synaptic pruning, and I, I learned about this. Maybe a year ago, um, I think I heard it on NPR. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're talking about a process that happens in our brain where any kind of neural connections that like aren't being used, the brain actually prunes them away with something called synaptic pruning. And so, you know, we talk about this a lot that about like creating habits and especially in law of attraction. Conscious creators will recognize this that are and recognize it in either direction, like where we're telling a better story or when we're telling that same old story. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing when I first learned about law of attraction, hearing, I think Mike Dooley talk about this, but the way the neural pathways, the way something becomes a habit. I think in the movie, maybe the movie, The Secret as well, Mm -hmm. like it's like when we walk across a field that no one's walked across and the grass is tall, it kind of is a struggle to get through there. And then if we keep taking that same path, the path gets padded down and pretty soon it's a path. And then pretty soon it's just like a road. And those ideas and thoughts and habits, things that are wired together, they happen very easily because now it's like a super highway. It's just like, there's no restriction to it at all. Right. And so all of these connectors, In our brain, these neural pathways that wire together, there's that idea that what wire, what's wired together fires together, which is why trauma causes this, where we feel triggered about something. A lot of people experiencing that this past week. Uh, those things still fire together, but a lot of habits are formed that way. My, my favorite story was about these two people that work together When they moved to Louisiana, they were both from a different state. They didn't know each other beforehand, but they, in talking to each other, they both found out that they had grown up in the same state and in the same school district, but not, not in the same school. So they never knew each other and they were like, I went to school in that school district too. And they started talking about the lunch menus (laughs) and All of the schools in that school district served the same things on the same day in their cafeteria. And one of the things that they served was whenever they served chili, they would serve a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) And these two people discovered that for years after they were out of school, whenever they had chili, they immediately had to go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They were craving it. Now, this is the interesting thing. The one person said he they still did it. (laughs) And the, and the other person said, Oh, I stopped doing that. Like years ago, I don't, I never really thought about it again until you brought it up. And that's such a great example of synaptic pruning or what they say, what, what fires together or what's wired together fires together. Mm -hmm. But what we know is that when we stop doing those two things together, whatever they are, that they will unwire. And that's how we break habits and create habits, part of it anyway.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, because what you've basically described is not only how habits are are made and broken, you've also described how we have power over our our own experience. Because we we get to decide whether or not we're going to continue to focus on the hamburger or the uh, peanut butter with the chili. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, which is an interesting right. thing to focus on. But nevertheless, apparently, one of them did focus on it and kept, you know, enjoying it and and associating it, and deciding if I had one, I had to have the other. Whereas the other one, at some the other person at some point decided, you know, I'm just not going to pursue that anymore, and they just kind of lost interest, and the the whole synapse went away. Well, that's really right. interesting. So, that's that's deliberate creation, right there.
2: Exactly. You hear people like that have a smoking habit, and have tried to quit or are in the process. And a lot of times they'll say something like I'm doing great, but every time I always want a cigarette, like after I eat Mm -hmm. because that's been their habit. Right. And because the finishing of the meal that is wired together with the lighting of a cigarette in, in the brain synapse or whatever, I suppose. So when they stop and they consciously choose, I'm not going to do it each time that they don't do it, is closer to the time when those synapses become like unused anymore. It's a wasteful neural connection. And so it gets pruned away. And then pretty soon, you know, time goes by and they're like, oh yeah, that I don't even think about that anymore. Right. So it's really, really cool to think that that this happens. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That our brain, I think it, I think these uh, things mostly happen when we're younger, but you know, more and more we're hearing that, that brain plasticity, it does not stop at at a certain young age. It really does keep going. And you and I have talked about all the ways that we can keep our brain uh, elastic, ways that we can keep our brain, you know, young and by being creative and by working puzzles and by, Mm. you know, lots of different things we do. So I just think – I thought it was so interesting when I saw the title. I know this isn't exactly – Uh, what Neville's going to talk about, but that pruning shears of revision, we may see that there is a little bit of that in here. So that'll be interesting. Well,
0: let's find out then. I mean, let's dive into it because you've been doing some of the uh, in-depth research to prepare for this. Where do we go within this chapter to get a sense of what Neville is talking about?
2: Okay. Well, we've talked about before um, revising like a conversation we talked about this last week I think mm-hmm. and that's what he's going to get into today. Oh, okay. And so we'll just we'll just hop in if if you're ready. I think maybe you want to to make some announcements. I'm not sure where we're doing this Oh, good today. point. I'll I'd forgotten
0: make- about that. But you're right, we got to get those in cuz we're trying to get them in early in the podcast. Yes, if you're not yet a subscriber, please do become a subscriber. It's really really easy to do. Um, If you need instructions, they're on the homepage of our website at LOAToday.net. But in a nutshell, all you do is you go to either the App Store on an iPhone or the Play Store on an Android phone. And, uh, well, actually, if you're doing it on an Android phone, you're going to the Play Store in order to search for um, a podcast application on iPhone. You don't even have to go to an App Store now that I think about it. All you need to do is go to your built-in software for podcasts called, amazingly enough, Podcasts. And it's a little purple icon. If you click on that and do a search in there, LOA Today will come right up if you search on LOA Today. Um, And on the Android, you have to actually install some podcast software if you don't already have some, and then do the search in that. We're recommending... Um, the Google Podcast software. That one's really becoming very popular. It works beautifully with our podcast, so use Google Podcasts, and you'll be able to load us up. And then once you are a subscriber, and this is also for our existing subscribers, please do continue with the practice of posting about LOAToday.net on social media. Every time you listen, it is paying off big dividends. I just did a check today, Cindy. Uh, about three months ago, we were averaging around 80 to 90 uh, plays per episode. We are now averaging 210. We're still growing. And we're hoping to build that up to the point where it's in the thousands because we just want more and more people to get their daily dose of happy. I just keep imagining what happens in this world if you have hundreds of thousands, millions of people choosing to feel happy every day and choosing to be deliberate creators. I mean, it just blows my mind how exciting that could get.
2: It is exciting. And and it's something that we're watching happen. So. Yes,
0: and being a part that's, of it. that's that's the best part. We're a part of it. I love that. Yay.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I love it too. Well, yes, please subscribe and and give us a wave on social media. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: yeah, we love that.
2: So we we've been we've been working our way through these chapters, and there there are some instances of Neville. Some of them are more than others, where he starts quoting scripture from the new testament christian bible and we we've i've given my little disclaimer over and over it's kind of <laughs> funny because um recognizing that that will be very exciting to some people right and it might completely not be exciting to other people right. and then the people that are excited may quickly become unexcited when they realize that his definition of these scriptures is sometimes very far out and unlike things that you would think you would normally hear um, yeah, you won't hear a, many preachers preaching
0: what the Neville Goddard says that the scriptures mean. It's, it's really so. way outside of what they usually preach.
2: So I'm going to add a little bit of commentary uh, whenever that happens, and it happens right away in this chapter. So okay. the chapter <laughs> is the pruning shears of revision.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he starts right off with a, a short verse from 1 Corinthians. He says, the second man is the Lord from heaven. So that's just sort of throwing you right in. And if you don't know what he's talking about, um just one. like the basic <laughs> the basic part of what he 's talking about, but in that passage, it talks about the first man is of the earth, and the second man is the Lord from heaven, but then it goes on to talk about the first man you know was made from the dust right and what what stands out to me about this idea and thinking of it you know in the context of neville um is the idea of that we hear a hermetic principle that we hear a lot in magic. And that is as above, so below as within. So without we, and we also talk about this in law of attraction. We, we say everything's in our head Mm
1: -hmm. and the
2: things that are going on in our thought processes will eventually manifest in our physical world, in our physical experience. So he says, the second man is from heaven. And it just reminds me of, the difference between the physical and the mental or spiritual or the thought life. And so he says, never will he say uh caterpillars. (laughs) He'll say there are a lot of butterflies as is to be on our cabbages. (laughs) He won't say it's winter. He'll say summer sleeping. And so uh, when I was reading this, I was like, okay, I get it. I think he's quoting. I'm glad you uh, get it
0: because I'm sitting here saying, "What the bleep is he talking about?"
2: <laughs> well, he's he's also he also quotes a lot of poets, as we see. Right? Okay. He says, "There's no bud little enough nor sad colored enough for Kester not to call in it the beginnings of the blow." Mary Webb from Precious Bane. Uh, the first act of correction or cure is always revise. One must start with oneself. It's one's attitude that must be changed.
1: Okay. And then he quotes
2: the Emerson. He says, what we are, that only can we see. Now, I want to say there's a famous quote. He's quoting Emerson, what we are, that only can we see. Uh, there's a famous quote that often gets attributed to the writer Anais Nin, which is, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are.
0: -hmm. Which is similar, similar concept.
2: It is in a nice Nen book, but she was actually quoting the Talmud.
0: Mm. So
2: we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Mm -hmm. And that's what Neville is getting at here, saying what we are, that only can we see. And saying to the spiritual man, or that I want to say to the conscious creator, the conscious creator doesn't talk about caterpillars. He talks about the butterflies that are to come,
0: right? And, and that's where that whole phrase about the very first act of correction or cure is always revise. He's basically saying, um, take whatever the, the, the first idea is and revise it to where you want it to be. Because when you do that, you're the one who is, well, being the creator, I guess.
2: And so, yes. And, and there's also a concept that I don't think we've really gotten to yet with Neville, but, um, it gets into the idea of, We've talked about time this morning and time flying by and, mm-hmm. and time standing still. And it gets into the idea of revising the past, mm. which I know a lot of people like, oh, what?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: we can't change the past or can we? Well, we do know that time isn't linear and that everything's happening now. So why not?
0: We can. Okay. Even if we have trouble with the idea of changing the past, what we can do and this is makes it easier for somebody who struggles with the idea that, no, we'll change the past. No, you can't change the past. Um, it's easier to think of it in terms of we can change the way we remember the past. The mm-hmm. past may not have changed, but we remember it differently if we choose to.
2: Right. And when we think about it, the past is gone anyway. Right. All it is is a memory, right? So, okay. So he says, it is a most healthy and productive exercise to daily relive the day as you wish you had lived it, revising the scenes to make them conform to your ideals.
1: Mm.
2: For instance, suppose today's mail brought disappointing news, revise the letter, mentally rewrite it, make it conform to the news you wish you had received. Then in imagination, read the revised letter over and over again. This is the essence of revision and revision results in repeal.
0: Now, I know for somebody who is going to be a little bit resistant to this whole process anyway, because you can't change the past. The first question that comes to my mind is, well, what's the point? I mean, the past is still the past. Yeah, I could imagine it being new all I want to. What's the point?
2: Well, you were talking a minute ago about it changes the way we feel. Mm. I think that's the point but because I think you're right. we know that our emotions and feelings are the key to conscious creating. So I think that's the the main point. Um, He says the one requisite is to arouse your attention in a way and to such intensity that you become wholly absorbed in the revised action. You will experience an expansion and refinement of the senses by this imaginative exercise and eventually achieve vision.
0: There's another one of those strange phrases, but what he's saying there is you'll see it. Eventually achieve yeah. vision means yeah. you'll see right. it.
2: And, and something that I think of when I, when I read something like this, where he says, you know, to arouse your attention in a way and to such intensity that you become wholly absorbed mm. in the revised action. I just think about the way we become absorbed in a movie or a book. True. Yeah. You know, when we are, when we, sometimes if, if I sit down to read a book or watch a movie, um, There, and, and my mind is on other things. It may be hard to get into the, to the book. You know, it's like I'm trying to read the chapter. It's a story. It doesn't matter. It may be a terrific story, but if I'm thinking about something I have to do later or, oh, I forgot to call someone or, you know, whatever thoughts are crowding in, it's very hard to get absorbed. But at some point, if I keep with it, suddenly I am completely absorbed in that story. I am no longer thinking about, you know, things i have to do later or things i needed to do whenever i'm just so involved in the story i know that we've all maybe had that experience where we're so involved in a story absorbed in it where someone walks in the room and says something and we almost jump you know it's like oh mm-hmm. didn't see you there i was so involved in this i think that's where the 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 creative energy comes from when we're doing this revision it's right we don't just think about it we don't just think Oh, I wish the letter would have said whatever. No, we we go through it and we put ourselves in that place and we let our senses get involved and we get absorbed into that idea. That's when things start to change. And yes, I love that he says, eventually achieve vision.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well also, a little, I, We need like a Neville decoder it. ring, right? Yeah,
2: it's that's like, right.
0: <laughs> yes, we need a Neville decoder ring. That's it. <laughs> but I love what you said, and, and and I love the the example you gave of watching a movie or watching a, a program of some kind, where you, you you're resistant to it at first, and like, oh, it's an, it's you know it's one of those, right? And and you're you're not paying much attention, but if you stay with it, eventually you get caught up in it. There's a phrase that gets used to describe that. A phrase that comes to us from the the uh, movie. Industry and that phrase is suspending our disbelief. That yes. really that that phrase in a nutshell is what um, Neville is asking the reader to do. Yes, Neville is recognizing that we are not easily buying into the idea that we can revise our past. The past is the past; we can't change it. But if you stick with it, if you stick with you know just trying to follow him and trying to to uh, go where he's suggesting that you go, you eventually get to the point where you forgot your resistance. You forgot about it, and you you yes. suspended your disbelief long enough to buy into what he's saying and start practicing it. It's a great And idea. your
2: emotions are the key. Like, your emotions are the indicator, right, if your emotions get involved. I mean, think about it in the idea of a book or a movie. Think about watching a movie where, I mean, everyone's cried at a sad movie at least once, I think, right? So it's like your emotions got involved. You know that this is maybe a story of fiction, and you certainly mm-hmm. know you're just watching a, a movie it's not even real and yet we may get angry at something at at an injustice you know or we may get sad because we see something heartbreaking happening and that's where we know our disbelief is is really suspended right because right. we're totally in it we've bought into it so
0: and it's all a fiction it's a fiction it's not even real it's not, it's a celluloid showing on a screen or it's these days it's digital bits showing up on a on a monitor i mean it's not even real but we're making it real
2: Right. We, yes, we are making it real. And so I would think that most of us, when we are consciously creating, we are attempting to create something that brings us happiness, mm-hmm. <laughs> not anger or sadness.
1: Hopefully. But,
2: yeah. <laughs> so Right. So that's the key of this is the thing I talk about all the time is that in in these types of exercises, learning how to do them and do them for the enjoyment of that emotion, that feeling that when we buy into whatever it is we're trying to create, when it becomes so real that it's just wonderful and we feel great, we can actually do this for that result, not for the result that we see off in the future of, of something actually manifesting. Cause when we go there, then all of a sudden it's out in the future again, Mm. but it's the result of enjoying it right now. Enjoying it now, feeling it now. Okay, so let's not get too far off track here, Cindy. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: all right, so you will experience an expansion and refinement of the senses by this imaginative exercise and eventually achieve vision, or eventually you will see it come to pass. But always remember that the ultimate purpose of this exercise is to create in you, he says, the spirit of Jesus, which is continual forgiveness of sin. Okay, no.
0: That requires a lot of explanation right there. I, think.
2: I want to keep going back to it and back to it. But Neville has talked about the idea of forgiveness of sin and that in the original, this sin literally means just to miss the mark. So forgiveness of sin means to correct it and to hit your mark. Change your aim. Change your aim. And he talks about that. So What we're wanting, and he says it's the spirit of Christ or the spirit of Jesus. Now this is what I'm talking about when he gives you some of his own definitions. Mm -hmm. His definition is that it's that spirit that can hit the aim. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense when you start understanding his language here is that when we can do that, he says, okay, that's Christ in you. Christ has been formed in you. That's his way it's his languaging there right and so when we get to the point where we can hit our aim in the imagination even right that's the point yes then then he says now you're doing it now you're going to start making miracles happen because you're at the point where you can use those pruning shears consciously where you can go in and, and hit the hit the mark that you missed before. And so a lot of us have ideals and goals that we want to achieve and that we may feel like we've missed in the past. And this is exactly what he's talking about, in is fact, to use our imagination to see that thing done.
0: In fact, there's a right? sentence that comes up in a, another couple of paragraphs that really summarizes it when you use his definitions. Without imagination, man remains a being of sin. Or without imagining man keeps missing the mark. Exactly. And when you miss right. the mark, it's like, well, okay. Now there's no, there, there's no guilt associated with it. Just, Oh darn, I missed time to re-aim. Oh,
2: he, he says here, revision is of greatest importance when the motive is to change oneself. Well, mm-hmm. we already know that that's all we can change. Right. And when we change, everything changes.
0: That's true. Yeah. Right.
2: Uh, When the motive is to change oneself, when there is a sincere desire to be something different, when the longing is to awaken the ideal active spirit of forgiveness, without imagination, man remains a being of sin. Or man keeps missing the mark. Correct. Mm -hmm. Man either goes forward to imagination or remains imprisoned in his senses. (laughs) To go forward to imagination is to forgive. Forgiveness is the life of the imagination. The art of living is the art of forgiving.
0: So in other words, every time that we imagine, that is an act of forgiveness.
2: Yeah, because we're changing. We're imagining something different.
0: Well, forgiveness that, that, is that, that, fact... That, that, that puts a completely different spin on what forgiveness is. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's even different from the one that I uh, have most recently leaned on, uh, that forgiveness isn't about forgiving the other person it's about letting go of yourself but this takes it to a much greater extent than even that does because it's, it's literally equating forgiveness with imagination it's saying when you are forgiving you are imagining when you are imagining you are forgiving so the best way to forgive is just to imagine
2: and to revise right in the imagination yeah
0: change the yeah you want to change yeah. the story you're right yes you don't want to imagine the same thing that happened before that doesn't help much
2: well i'm in agreement with you about Generally speaking, when we talk about forgiveness is that forgiveness is not, you know, saying that whatever someone did to you is okay. It's, right. it's you deciding you're not going to carry the weight exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think they kind of go hand in hand because the story of I'm a victim and you did this terrible thing to me and I'm holding this grudge and I, I can't, you know, that's a different story than I'm going to let go of this not because what you did was right just because I don't need to carry this anymore I need to be free of this heavy burden of this mm-hmm. weight. Yes. And that's you know when you talked a minute ago about when you want to be a sincere desire to be something different. That's me being something very different. Those those two you know examples, one of carrying the weight of a grudge. You know there's that saying that says that when we hold unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die.
0: <laughs> that's a good phrase. I hadn't heard that one, but that's good. <laughs> so it's
2: like, it's not, it's, it's just me saying, you know what? I don't need to carry this anymore. That that's a, that's a free person.
1: Yeah.
2: That's a totally different thing. And that's, to me, that's revision, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, we're revising the story at that point, well, our anytime, own
0: story. Anytime that the story we don't like, gets modified by us in our imaginations. We have revised the story. That's it. It doesn't matter what we change, what part we change. The moment we change the slightest detail, we have revised it.
2: So I love it. He says, uh, forgiveness is, in fact, experiencing in imagination, the revised version of the day. Mm -hmm. Experiencing in imagination what you wish you had experienced in the flesh. Every time one really forgives, that is, every time one relives the event as it should have been lived, one is born again. You wow. see his, de- his definitions there are quite different. Than Very
0: different, but I like th- I, that one. I can actually believe in that one. I can say, yes, I, I agree with that one. Doesn't like that make
2: that. sense? Right. Yeah. He says, father, forgive them is not the plea that comes once a year, but the opportunity that comes every day. The idea of forgiving is a daily possibility. And if it is sincerely done, it will lift man to higher and higher levels of being. He will experience a daily Easter, and Easter is the idea of rising, transformed, and that should be almost a continuous process.
0: That's Freedom. Where that's why I'm glad that we actually have been doing translating here, so that we can understand what the phrasing is and what it, what, what he's really saying on it. Because it's for me reading that last paragraph that you just read. Normally, that would have sent me into a tizzy. Like, I can't go here anymore. It's just—it's reminding me of uh, uh, unpleasant experiences I had with the Christian church. But when you understand it in terms of what he's actually saying, it has a very, very different meaning and a very different feeling to it. But you got to understand his words. You got to understand how he's how he's defining his words and how he's defining his concepts in order to make sense out of it.
2: Right. It took me a long time to be able to uh swallow all of the Neville material.
1: Yeah. And
2: that's that's why. Yeah. But I started recognizing that this had to do with me.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> this no had doubt. to do
2: with me and my own past experiences. Oh, it's and, definitely me, yeah. And I recognized at some point that the charge was gone the emotional charge that I had that would make me like, right. If I picked up a Neville book and I opened it up to a random page and the first thing I read was that paragraph, it would, the book would just be closed
0: again. (laughs) That's it. Forget it. I'm done.
2: (laughs) But you know, sometimes then I would read something else that would just affect me in such a deep and a deep way that I felt like, yes, that, I just wanted to kind of trudge through it. Then I started really getting what he was saying. And then I decided I didn't care what kind of language he was saying it in. That was his thing. Um, I can define it the way it w- works for me. And I was able to let go of that charge, but it took a lot of
1: years. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So I love what he says here, though. That should be almost a continuous process. We talk about this a lot, right, about practice. Yes, That we can know all this stuff in theory, but unless we practice and like I'm talking consistent practice day in and day out, we're not going to get the kind of results that we want. It's true. The big miraculous, oh my goodness, this is so amazing kind of results. We have to get into a groove with it and start practicing it. And he says that should be almost a continuous process.
0: I agree with him. And in fact, I had that realization once again. In a big way this morning. Uh, well, actually, I also had it yesterday afternoon uh, because I realized that uh, skipping uh, out of Neville and into Abraham for a moment. Abraham Hicks, their book "Asking It Is Given" has those twenty-two processes at the back, and I was looking at them today because uh, Patty Framo had recommended a couple weeks ago that I should, you know, use them in some of them in my uh, my daily routine uh, as a way to help improve my own situation. In life, and so I said, okay, let's do it. Let let let's look at those processes. Interesting uh, side note, by the way, the emotional uh, scale. The you know I I forget what what they call it, but the the scale that you use to to decide where you are on the scale, so you know what what your emotional set point is. That emotional scale has twenty two points in it, and there are twenty two processes. Did you notice that the same number?
2: I don't think I ever did. I never did
0: either, which is which was really wild. But but yeah, there's twenty two processes and twenty two points on the scale, and even more interesting. There's there's actually an organization to the way those processes are listed in the back of the book.
1: Oh. And I
0: didn't know that there was one. I had to actually start trying to reorganize it in a way that would make sense to me before I even noticed that there was a pattern there. But there actually is a pattern. See, what, I, what frustrated me is uh, – well, it was both frustrating and it was also something I hadn't even taken advantage of. The fact is each one of them has uh, a range, right? That, Like if, if you're uh, between, uh, say, optimism and discouragement, then you can use this process. But don't use this process if you're in anger or in joy, you know. So, so they tell you for each process, use this one if your personal emotional set point right now falls in this particular range. If it does, you can use this process. Well, I don't know about you. I never really paid a whole lot of attention to that part but I started paying attention to it yesterday to the point where I wrote out all 22 of the points on the emotional guidance scale and then assigned to them, went through painstakingly and and looked at each process and said, okay, does this one apply to number one on the scale, joy, appreciation, empowerment? Does it apply to number two, passion? Does it apply to number 10, frustration? Does it apply to number? Oh yeah, it's a cheat sheet. (laughs) And, And when I was done, like today I woke up, uh, feeling kind of on the downside. I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And so I looked at my list and saw, well, okay, so it's either processes six or seven, 10 or 12 through 21. I said, oh, okay. So I flipped in my book to six and didn't really want to do that one. Six and seven weren't really grabbing my attention. 10 was okay, but I wasn't quite there. 12 looked really good, so I started doing 12. And all of a sudden, I just realized I had found a way to quickly start using the processes in asking of this given to help me where I was today. Love and it. That was like a big breakthrough today. I, I did that because I came to the awareness of what Neville's talking about, that I need to be doing this regularly, daily, throughout my day. And I've been trying, I mean, we've talked about that in the past, about trying to incorporate this stuff during the day. Right. But I've also noticed, and I think probably our listeners have noticed too, it can be tough sometimes. You know, sometimes you're just in a place where it's tough to, to find whatever it is you're trying to get to in terms of, you know, how you're going to segment and tend or whatever. Well, interesting thing. Segment intending is one of the processes listed in the book. It's, I, let's see, I can't remember which process it is, but would you believe that segment intending isn't appropriate for every place that you are on the scale? It's actually only appropriate for numbers four through eight. Four through eight are... Number four is positive expectation or belief. Number five is optimism. Six is hopefulness. Seven is contentment. Eight is boredom. If you're not in one of those, segment intending won't work well for you.
2: That's really interesting because I think what happens when I was listening to you talk about, you know, being in a certain place and and having difficulty or not, maybe it's just like not being interested, right? You see a certain process. Like, oh, that just doesn't, it doesn't just resonate. Get yeah. It. And I I think about the idea that a lot of times when we're, when we're wanting to change because we're at the lower place on the emotional scale, mm-hmm. we always have this tendency of wanting of reaching to the top and some of those processes might be too far up the scale. They are. To reach for easily. And we need to constantly remember that it's, you know, anger feels better than depression and it's okay. well there still is a lot of kind of shame around certain emotions oh yeah like they're bad like we're not supposed to do that um you know i mean anybody that's watching the news this week uh recognizes that it's still frowned upon for women to be angry
0: oh yeah hugely
2: and you know uh i mean i know walt and i were talking to last week or the week before, before one of the podcasts. And you said to me, you said, how are you doing? I said, I'm mad as hell. And it feels really great.
0: (laughs) I remember you said that too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing is that it feels better. Some things feel better than whatever's beneath them. And we still are a long way from that joy and optimism up there. And that's okay. We have to go up incrementally. We have to let ourself get there in a natural way. And I think that's what you're saying, is that some of these processes are much better suited when we're at the lower end of the emotional scale.
0: And others are better suited at the higher end. And you made a
2: cheat sheet. Yeah, I did.
0: Rampage of appreciation. Would you believe that's only appropriate when you're in the top five levels? Below that, it's not going to do a whole lot for you.
2: Yeah, I can, I can understand that, sure.
0: But how much, how much, how useful it is to realize that. Cause you hear somebody, you know, somebody will say, well, you're not feeling good. Do a rampage of appreciation. Well, if you're in doubt or worry, that's not going to help you a whole lot. But people don't qualify by saying, well, are you in doubt or worry or blame or disappointment? Well, if you are, then, <laughs> then don't do the rampage of appreciation. They'll just say, do the rampage of appreciation. It works great. And it did work great because they were in optimism at the time.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. yeah. I'll,
0: I'll publish this thing too. I'll put it, put it on the, I'll post a, a blog post about on the website. So people can. Oh, I'm excited about this. that. Yeah.
2: I think that's really important. I'm while you were saying it, I'm looking on my shelf. I'm like, where's that
0: book? <laughs> where's the book? Right. It. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this wow. won't tell you what the different processes are. You'll have to, um, get the book. Although maybe I'll, I'll even revise it later on and I'll describe the processes in some detail so that people can just have the cheat sheet and then they can go right down and just do the process. Because the one thing well, I noticed about the process in the book is that they not only tell you how to do the process, but they give you a whole lot of discussion around it. And so it can actually take you time to get through to find the point. Okay. How do you do the darn process? Tell me. <laughs>
2: I think it's one of those books that it's a it has it's a must-have for anybody that's it is. working on this stuff, right? Yeah, it's uh, Abraham Hicks asking it is given. Uh, it's definitely it's it's one you've got to have on your shelf. I think it's a uh, so it's a as,
0: as we're um, listening to it, Neville here, then talking about revision when, when you were talking about that, it made me wonder where on the emotional set point scale. Does revision work best? Does it work on all 22 points? Does it work in a particular range? I, I don't know, but I'm kind I of want curious. To
2: say, I want to say that it does, and this is why I'll say it. And maybe maybe the lower range is even better. Okay. And that's because I think that would be the time that we would be really motivated to do it, is when something's happened that's got us in that place, um, right? In the place of really wanting things to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, you know, he uses the, uh, he uses the example of, let's say you got a a letter in the mail with bad news. We have to always remember that Neville's writing from a time that was pre-technology the way we think of technology. So, you know, maybe that when you get the text message that has a bad message, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? You've gotten an email that that's not right, or you've seen something on the news to revise it the way you wish you would have said it. And I love that he says, After he says it should be a continuous process, he says freedom and forgiveness are indissolubly linked. And it's exactly fits the, the metaphor that we were using earlier of carrying a grudge, Mm -hmm. carrying something heavy. And because we think of forgiveness as something happened and we need to forgive someone. Right. He's using it in a different way. Completely right. But at the same time, there's that a heavy weight aspect, True, like whatever news I heard or whatever happened or whatever's going on in my life that I want to change. It just feels so heavy to carry this. And so I want to revise it, which is forgiveness. And that brings the freedom of that weight being lifted. I know that when I've done these processes of Neville's that and, and I talk about this a lot to, to learn how to enjoy that suspension of disbelief in the moment for its own sake. Um, that's the thing that brings, it actually is the thing that brings results. Mm-hmm. And yet it's not, it's not forward looking. It's in the moment. Right. I'm not looking, I'm not hoping and wishing that the results manifest. I'm my, Focus is to enjoy the moment. Enjoy enjoy it now. Assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled.
0: Yeah, there it is.
2: Right? So let's see. Um, Not to forgive is to be at war with ourselves. For we are freed according to our capacity to forgive.
0: So translating that, not to imagine how we want to revise what happened within ourselves, is to be at war with ourselves.
2: Yeah, that makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me, too, when I phrase it that way. Because
2: when we're just dwelling in what is, and we talk about this a lot, Mm -hmm. the idea of, you know, focusing, people that say, but but it really is this way. Things really are this bad.
1: Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know, and we're trying to get you to step out of it, even for a moment, and to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. That right there is revision. That is forgiveness. That is whatever we want to call it, that's changing things.
0: Exactly, because the longer that we stay in that place of saying, but this is what's actually going on, is the moment that we say, keep coming on what's been going on because I'm not done with you yet.
2: (laughs) So then again, of course, he quotes a few scriptures. He says, forgive and you shall be forgiven. Forgive not merely from a sense of duty or service. Forgive because you want to. Thy ways are ways of pleasantness and all thy paths are peace. From Proverbs, you must take pleasure in revision. You can forgive others effectively only when you have a sincere desire to identify them with their ideal. Duty has no momentum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> duty has no momentum. I, I want like to that.
2: highlight that one. Yeah.
0: So
1: great.
2: You know, we talk about momentum all the time, right? <laughs> and when we're only doing something out of duty or obligation. There's no momentum there. That makes so much sense to me because there's really no joy in it. When we do something just out of duty, there's usually not much joy there.
0: Well, there <laughs> there is one exception to that. I like the rule. Duty has no momentum, but there is one exception to it. And that is if you stay with duty and you focus on duty and you're constantly living in duty, you do get a momentum of continuously having duty. So you become a creature of duty and you become. And that
2: feels so heavy to me when I hear you say that, that it feels like a very slow moving train. It is. Right? No, not a whole lot of energy and an effective movement. Very sluggish.
0: Very sluggish. Yeah.
2: Forgiveness is a matter of deliberately withdrawing attention from the unrevised day and giving it full strength and joyously To the revised day. If a man begins to revise even a little of the vexations and troubles of the day, then he begins to work practically on himself. Every revision is a victory over himself and therefore a victory over his enemy. Now, this is an interesting, this is an interesting, uh, next little piece here, his definition, because he quotes Matt.
0: Before you go into that definition, I want to go back to that past sentence. Okay. Every revision is a victory over himself and therefore a victory over his enemy. I think that needs a little translation.
2: Yeah, I'm saying you're your worst enemy.
0: <laughs> well, more right. than that, he's saying a revision <laughs> is a victory over himself. So if we were to translate that, a revision is the ceasing of treating yourself as your own enemy.
2: I like that too. Yeah. It's that we are the ones that get in our own way, right?
0: So when we change what we when we use our imagination to change our memory about what happened, what we're doing is we are ceasing our battle with ourselves, and mm. we are getting ourselves into a place where we win all the time.
2: Right, that's why I love this this next part, because he quotes Matthew saying, a man's foes are those of his own household. Yes. But he goes on to say, and his household is his state of mind.
0: Another metaphor jump, but there it is. Okay.
1: Right?
2: He changes his future as he revises his day. I mean, this is really powerful stuff if you let it sink in. Mm-hmm. It, it, it may take more than one pass,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: But... We are the ones that get in our own way, and we have the power to change that. I think it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. So When a man practices the art of forgiveness, of revision, however factual the scene on which sight then rests, he revises it with his imagination and gazes on one never before witnessed. So he's creating with his imagination something completely new. Mm-hmm. The magnitude of the change, which any act of revision involves, makes such change appear wholly improbable to the realist. The unimaginative man. So this is where other people often will get in the way. Have you ever heard in a lot of like self-help books that are focused, especially ones that are focused towards maybe business and really you know, doing some big thing and and it'll, it'll warn people. I I can't give you a a title or an author, but I know I've seen it multiple times where people will say, don't tell your big dreams to people unless you know, there are people that will support you in it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of uh, self-help people suggest that.
2: Right. It's like, don't just tell everybody this huge dream you have. Tell the people that you know are going to get behind you and, and support you in it and Mm -hmm. not call you a fool. right? Right. Oh, that's so foolish. You could never own your own company or whatever. And exactly. believe me, there are a lot of dream crushers out there. So oh, yeah. I, I totally get this. But this is what he's saying here. The magnitude of the change, which any act of revision involves, makes such change appear wholly improbable to the realist, the unimaginative man. And this is the person that's saying, well, that's ridiculous. You see what the letter said.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: You think it's going to do any good to lay there in bed at night and pretend that the letter said something different? That's the unimaginative person. Right? And I'm, I'm,
0: thinking, I'm thinking about that unimaginative person, that realist. And something occurred to me while you were reading this whole paragraph, which is even the, real, the realist revises his experience.
2: We all do, right? Did we talk about this recently? I might have had this conversation on air with you, off air with you, with someone else. I can't remember. I'm not sure. But the idea that when we remember something, every time we remember it, we're actually creating that memory over again. And And it it changes a little
0: bit. It does change. And in fact, I was just noticing when you read that paragraph that most often the realist changes the memory For the worse. Did you ever notice that?
2: (laughs) That's a good point. This is
0: like the first step of awfulization, right? You take something that's like you know sort of not good, and you turn it into something really not good. Just by the way, you 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 remember it.
2: There's an idea that, and and I'm sure I'm guilty of this uh, because in my own language, although I try not to be, uh, and the idea is that. When we don't use language that is correct. In other words, if I say to you, oh, my goodness, I I knocked a glass of water off my desk and it was a complete disaster.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs)
2: Well, it's not really a complete disaster. Right. I mean... The the hurricane that hit, you know, wherever, that was a disaster. This is just a glass of water on the floor.
0: L- Louise and I have had conversations about that. You know, I'll I'll knock a cup of water over. Oh, darn I knock a cup of water over. And she'll say, Well, quick, go get some towels. And I'll look at her and I'll <laughs> say, Give it an hour, it'll be gone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like you we do that and that's that what's so funny is that we're reading here about it com it, it appears wholly improbable to the realist but even that's not being real right True. deciding it's a disaster exactly. you know or
0: that's uh, the point that that's the yeah. thing that i that really caught my attention realists people who insist that i have to be realistic about what happened are people who are actually the best at revising for the worst
2: i'm ducking my head and hoping i'm not guilty too often here
0: (laughs) well the point isn't to be guilty the point is just to recognize because guilt really has nothing to do with it guilt is for people who want to shame it's not about guilt at all it's about uh, do i recognize that i do that not to shame myself but just to recognize it so i can say do i want to continue to do that
2: right and that's why i love the whole idea of identity, stepping into the different identity, just being able to say, and we can do this Yes, is, is, Oh, I recognize that I've done that before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to step right over here into the identity of me that doesn't do that.
0: Yeah. I don't want to be like that anymore. My goodness. Why do I keep doing that? I am done with that. I am so tired of being the person who finds a way to awfulize the situation. I'm done with that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's not being a realist.
0: No, it really isn't.
2: Yeah. The unimaginative man:
0: <laughs> There's no such that's thing amazing. actually, that when yeah. you think about it, well, there really true. is no such thing. There is no such thing as an unimaginative person. Everybody is imaginative. The realist is the person who claims that he's the unimaginative, unimaginative man. He's the one who claims things are always what they are, and nothing can ever be changed by thought.
2: That's true. It's it, it's just using an imagination in the other direction.
0: Yeah, it's using an imagination so, to say, I don't have an imagination.
1: <laughs>
2: or or it's it's using it in an unconscious way. And yes. that's what we're always about here at LOA today is being conscious
0: mm-hmm.
2: of where we're pointing our magic wand.
0: Right. That's true.
2: Focusing on a specific thing that we want to see. He says, he goes on to say, I'm just going to read this one last line because I know we're winding up here. But, right. Radical changes in the fortunes of the prodigal. I think most of us know the story of the prodigal son. Um, Luke 15, he says all of the radical changes in the prodigal son's fortune were produced by a change of heart. The battle man fights is fought out in his own imagination. The man who does not revise the day has lost the vision of that life into the likeness of which it is the true labor of the spirit of Jesus to transform this life. Remember his definition of the spirit of Jesus is the imagination, mm. is the ability to revise things mm-hmm. is the ability to see things in a different way. That's all he's saying.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: we fight our own battles in our own imagination and we can win them by learning <laughs> how to revise the day. I, I do this pretty often and this reading all of this anew again has caused me to want to really fire up my practice here because it's been one of the most powerful things I've ever done for my own law of attraction practice. So I, I've been enjoying this. We won't get into it today, but tomorrow uh, we're going to hear a practical story of how someone used this. And I think that's always really really useful
0: yeah stories are always great because when you have a story stories actually are like paintings a painting they say uh, is worth a thousand words well a story is worth a thousand conversations because the story just summarizes so neatly that everybody can say oh yeah i get that no problem
2: yeah it's like oh that's how you do it right
0: exactly so yeah i'm good good i'm glad that we're doing that I, i i also continue to go back to i think at some point i'm going to pull out neville's book. And I'm going to run it into a word processor, and I'm going to do word substitution. So everywhere he says something like the Spirit of Jesus, I'm going to replace it with imagination.
2: Yeah, with- just search and replace, and it'll be a different. <laughs>
0: and, and then see if I can read the thing afterward. <laughs> see if it's actually you know, making sense, <laughs> but to see what it comes out to. Anyway, this has been great. Before we go, Cindy, uh, sometimes we need a little personal direct one-on-one assistance. That's what you're great at. How does somebody reach out to you as a coach?
2: Uh, They can find me online at cindychavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com, and um, uh, same name on all the social media platforms, mostly Twitter. (laughs) So uh, reach out and say hello. I'd love to hear from
0: you. Sounds great. Cindy, I look forward to talking to you tomorrow morning.
2: I look forward to it as well.
0: And we'll see you all tomorrow as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye, everyone.